Welcome to the Self-Care with Marissa Rader podcast. I'm your host, Marissa, and I am a certified life coach and self-care expert. I'm making it my mission to help busy women build a self-care-centered lifestyle because self-care is so much more than just pampering yourself. Society leads us to believe that basic rights like taking a warm bath or having our hair done is self-care, but I'm here to change that narrative. I'm going to teach you how I went from overwhelmed, stressed to the max, and burned out on life to thriving and loving the life I'm building, and it all started with making a commitment to myself. So what do you say? Are you ready to commit to your own personal development journey? Let me lead you to the path of happiness and contentment. That's right, the one that leads you to a life you truly love. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to our series on building lives full of happiness. And I have someone so special and dear to my heart to introduce you to today. She is one of my absolute best friends. Her name is Kayla. And Kayla, we want to welcome you to the podcast today. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Marissa and I have known each other for almost two years now, but we've never done a podcast together. So this is so fun. This is fun. I'm so excited. Plus, I've missed your face. And so, I mean, obviously on the podcast, people can't see you, but I get to look at you through this whole thing. So I'm kind (laughs) of excited. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah. So my name is Kayla Durkin. I am on Instagram at North Dakota Teaching. I serve first year teachers online. It has been my heart and soul for the past few years when I really started stepping into my own passion and purpose, which has been a huge part of just finding the spark in my life that I needed. So I try to work full-time on my business, North Dakota Teaching, but I also do work for an education association, and this is my seventh year in education, which is crazy. That is crazy. So a lot of teachers, when they are growing up, they just know. like It's just like this innate inside thing that they're going to be a teacher. You talk to people and it's like, oh, I knew when I was a first grader that this is what I was always going to do. Were you one of those people? I wasn't. And it's so funny that you say that because my whole life, my aunt has been an educator and she always said I would be a teacher. And I always said, no, I won't. I always told my parents I was going to be moving to Australia, whatever. And my parents were like, well, you can move to Australia, but if you go to college, we'll buy you a car. We won't pay for your college, but we'll buy you a car. And in my mind, that made sense. So I went to college to become a teacher, which now looking back on it, I paid way more for school than I did for that car for sure. But in the end, it was totally worth it. And I truly did fall in love with teaching. That is fantastic. I love that. It reminds me of the um, Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day where he's just going to run off to Australia. We'll find Kayla in Australia someday. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yeah. Isn't it funny how other people can see things in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself? I had zero plans of being a teacher. And even as a junior or senior in high school, I my high school English teacher asked me what I was going to be. And I said, anything but a teacher. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> Three years later, there I was <laughs> deciding to become a teacher. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Speaking of Australia, that should be our first clue about you. You and your husband love to travel. 
We do. We do. That was um, something we fell in love with right away. And I kind of feel like that's how we fell in love with each other as well. Right when we first started dating. So we started dating in March of 25th, no, 2016. I can't remember. March of, no, I can't remember. March of something. And 2016, I think it was. And that same year, right away in May, we decided we are we were going to go on a two-week road trip. And so we went to 10 different states. I think we went to eight different national parks. And the whole time we were prepping for that trip, we just kept saying, either our relationship is going to work out or I'm just going to get dropped off at the airport. I'll fly home. We'll part ways. No big deal. <laughs> But it all oh worked God. out. We got engaged a few months later. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. So I don't know. All these things take a lot of courage. I mean, to know what you truly love to do and to chase your chase your dreams. So obviously you're not in a classroom anymore. And traveling to me is always nerve wracking. Like it takes courage to do that. And but you know that you need to do these things to to be happy in your life. And so why do you think that you make those decisions that you do? Like, where do you find that courage from to, to be your true self and, and do the things you love? So I would have to say it started in the fall of 20. Well, actually, I would say the spring of 2019. I'd been teaching at the same school for four years. It was a rural pre-K through 12 school, 250 kids, loved the staff, loved the students, loved everything about it. The administration there really pushed me to become the educator that I am today. And I'm so grateful for all of those experiences. However, it was a half hour commute both ways. And so that was taking an hour out of my day. And in addition to that, when you work at a small school, like you are not just the teacher at the school, you're involved in so many different things. And so um, I was an advisor. I was on, I was supposed to go on, go on to be on the prom committee. I was just helping in so many different aspects in addition to just being a classroom teacher, which is already so much. And as hard as it was for me, I kind of had to make the decision that Hopefully soon in the future at that time, I was thinking we'll have kids and I need to start pouring all of this extra time that I have into my own children. And so I kind of made that first step of faith and I left that school and I will forever love that school dearly. It definitely shaped me into who I am, as I said, but that was like my first stepping stone. And so then I started teaching in a much bigger district, over 1200 kids in the building, over 400 sixth graders. I was teaching sixth grade. And so all of that was going. Going really, really well. But in October, I kind of started thinking, like, what if I just took a year off? And what's funny is my very first year of teaching, this is probably way more than you wanted, but my very first year of teaching, uh, my mentor teacher asked me, she's like, so where do you see yourself in five years? And I was like, you know, I'm not really sure where I see myself in five years, but I don't think I'll still be a teacher. And so that kept with me all of my years that I was in the classroom. And that year, my husband and I kind of sat down and we were like, you know, I don't know what's up next for me, but I think I just, 
as much as I love teaching, I think I just need a break. I need to really recenter myself and really figure out what is most important to me. We were trying to grow a family, all of that stuff. And so I decided early on around October of 2019 that I wasn't going to sign my teaching contract. And then of course, March rolls around. That's how we're here in North Dakota. When our teaching contracts roll out, you have to sign your contract in March. You're locked in. If you sign it and you want to get back out, you have to pay thousands of dollars in fees. And so we were just like, well, we don't know where the income is going to come from. We're, we don't know what we're going to do, but we'll cut back, we'll scale back. And I took that risk and I didn't sign my teaching contract. So that's kind of where things started to blossom. But then when COVID hit, when we were all locked up, when we were all at home, just spending time with each other, I think the slower pace really helped me realize that all of the joy, all of the happiness in life, it comes from all of those really small moments. It's not the 10-day road trips. It's not flying across the country. Those aren't the things that make up a happy life. They definitely help and they add to our life experiences for sure. We love traveling, but it, it really is the small things. It's waking up and going for a walk when you and seeing the sunrise, grabbing a cup of coffee, just enjoying those really small moments. And when you are able to start picking out those small moments, moments, I really feel like that's when you start blossoming into your happiest self. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. You are dead on with that. And so many people think it is like, oh, if I just got to go on vacation like once a year, I'd be happier. If I just had more money or if I just had this or that. And And you said it right there. You guys were prepared to scale back. You were prepared to maybe not travel as much but you were still just as happy, if not happier than you had been because a, you were living true to your values and, and you knew what success meant to you. And that didn't necessarily mean teaching for 30 years and staying in one career or any of those things. It was the moments that you get to spend with your husband now that you didn't get before. And he was working from home. You were working from home and it was a great experience. I mean, we had conversations about that, how, how different, that life is. Um, but you also got presented with the opportunity to start working for a teacher's union, which was really exciting because you took that leap of faith to leave the classroom, not knowing where your income was going to come from. And then ta-da. Right. It fell right into my lap. Yeah. Yeah. So from March until July, from March until July, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, obviously COVID was in full swing. So in, in the back of my mind, my plan was all substitute teach or something like that to make a little extra money. But with COVID, I was like, well, kids probably won't be in school. So we really, really truly had no idea what we were going to do for money, but we knew for my sake, for our marriage, just to, to really live out the life we wanted to live. I had to take a step back and it's, it's scary. It is scary to take risks like that, but just like you did, you took that risk and you left the classroom and we're not saying anyone should leave the classroom. That's, that's not what this is about. What it's, what it's about is just follow sometimes following your gut instinct, praying on it, reflecting on it and slowing down. And just knowing that just because society says you have to work at a job for 40 years, doesn't mean you do. And it doesn't mean that you can't go back to the job that you're already working at. If you, if you're working in finance and you're really swamped and you need a break, just because you take a break, doesn't mean you can't go back. 
Exactly. Absolutely. I love that. And like you said, not trying to get people to quit their job and no, <laughs> live no. at home and just, you know, run on their own schedule. But I think the key is, is that you really identified and knowing you and your husband, you have a very open relationship. And so the conversations that you guys had to get to that point were part of what made you the happiest was the fact that you guys could sit down, you talked about the different areas of your life and where you saw them going and what kind of moms and dads you wanted to be, what kind of people you wanted to be, how you wanted to give to society, you know, just all of the different areas. It wasn't just, you know, like, I don't know. I think some people, when you leave a career, you do something different. They're like, well, that's just being selfish. Like not everybody can can work from home and do whatever and just magically get these opportunities and stuff. But the thing was, is that you guys, you didn't do that. You formulated your plan. You sat down and you identified it. What was, what did success mean to you? What did successful marriage look like for you? What does it, you know, and for you as an individual, what did success look like? And like you said, it was still being able to help teachers and work with them. And you do that in two different capacities. Now you're still benefiting students across the nation with your knowledge, which is even more amazing. And we'll talk more about in a little bit, but Yeah, I think that that's so important for people to understand that your happiness comes from just really, truly knowing yourself. And, and that's when you knew it was time to leave. Right. And I, I actually have to share this because it is so ironic. I am totally a person that I believe in signs. And so yesterday morning, Marissa and I are both like really trying to get our morning routines down. So yesterday morning, I met a friend to work out and we, we got up at 4.55 a.m., which that is just a little early for me, but I did that. And when I got home, my husband was like, hey, let's go for a walk. And I was like, well, I just got done working out, but yes, let's go for a walk. So we went for a walk and we grabbed coffee and on the way home, the sun was rising and I literally just stopped and neither of us had our phones or anything. And I was like, this is a picture perfect moment, except we have to remember it because neither of us have our phones. And so I was literally like, doesn't this bring you so much joy? The fact that we can go for a walk in the morning, we can watch the sunrise and we can just connect. And we had that conversation. And then Marissa that morning texted me and she was like, Hey, do you want to do a podcast tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? What's the topic on? And she was like, well, it's on joy. And I was like, interesting. Cause I was just saying this morning, how much this sun brings me joy. And then without even thinking about it, my niece stopped by, didn't expect to see her. And my first initial thought was, oh my gosh, what a little bundle of joy. And that is not the weirdest part yet. The weirdest part is that my niece fell asleep in my arms and I decided to read my devotional. And when I opened up my devotional for the day, it was eight scriptures that were all about bringing joy into your life. So what a weird coincidence that I would say the sun is bringing me joy. Marissa texted me to have this conversation about joy. My devotional was about joy. Like it all just comes full circle when you start pinpointing those little tiny moments in your life. Yes. And, and that's why so many people think like, why would I set an intention for the, for the day? That's hippie woo woo, or that's whatever, you know? But the thing is, is if you can wake up and say today, you know what, I'm really going to focus on being calm, or I'm going to really focus on being present. It -hmm. just brings it to the forefront of your mind. And so yesterday joy was, was what you were focusing on. And that was just God's little way of being like, I hear you. I see you girl. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love it. 
All right. So we've talked about like the happiness and that kind of thing, but obviously not everything is, is super happy all the time. So what do you do in those times of like high stress or, you know, when things just aren't going the way you had planned, because we all know that, you know, that's funny things God likes to do. Right. Mess with our plans. (laughs) So I think what's interesting is that my husband and I have really great communication, but when I am stressed or overwhelmed, I do not want to talk to anyone. And so for us as a married couple, like that is something that Brent had to pick up on. Like, oh, if she's not talking to me a lot, that means internally something is really going on in my mind. And so for me, when I get to that point, I really think the most important thing to do is, yes, we have 10 million things that we need to do. And that's why we're so stressed. And that's why we're so overwhelmed or because just things weren't going our way, but we just need to really stop and reflect and figure out, okay, first of all, which of these things actually matter? Like which of these stresses actually are going to be like, are, are they going to matter three days from now, five days from now, two weeks from now, which of these things can we take off our plate? And I think sometimes as moms, as teachers, as whoever, we take on way too many tasks than we can handle. We have so many different hats that we're wearing or so many different pieces of the pie that we're adding to our plate. And so I think the first thing is really just looking at what is causing that stress and then reflecting on, is it important? Does it actually matter? What can I do to get rid of this stress? I love that. Yes. I was just reading a book the other day that was talking about our amount of mental bandwidth that we Mm -hmm. have in a day. And so each day you wake up with the same amount of mental bandwidth. And if you use it up by noon, that's it for the day. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's over. And so, um, like you said, when you have a lot going on in your mind and you're making lots of decisions and you're stressed, that takes away from your mental bandwidth. And then later on in the day, that's when you give in to, you know, I haven't had caffeine all day, but now I'm going to have a, a pop at 7 p.m. or I'm going to eat a bowl of ice cream. I've ate healthy all day long and then I indulge at the end of the nights because you no longer have that mental bandwidth to to make those good decisions. And mm-hmm. so that's interesting to me that that's, that's how you framed it because... And I, speaking of the book that you were just reading, I was also just reading, reading a book and it said that our minds are filled with so many thoughts at the same time that for every two minutes, there is one minute that we subconsciously don't even realize what we're doing because our mind is already in so many other places. And so ever since I read that, I've been trying to like catch myself doing things that I don't necessarily realize I'm doing. And when you start thinking about it, it's so true because how many times are you driving in your car and you're like, oh my gosh, how'd I get here already? Or, you know what I mean? How many times have you been sitting there watching TV, eating a snack, and then you want more of your snack and your snack's already gone because you ate it all. Like our mind is just filled with so much busyness and clutter that if we can find ways to eliminate some of that stress, eliminate some of those things that do not need to be taking up space in our mind think of how much better we're going to feel. And then if we take that extra time that we now have and do some purposeful things with our body, whether it's meditation, whether it's reading a devotional, doing some yoga, going for a walk, how much better are we going to feel? Absolutely. Yes. No, I love that. Speaking of those things, I was, that was going to be my next question was you said you were working on your morning routine 
And so what are some of the things that you like on your best days, what do you implement into your daily routines that just really make a huge difference? So on my best days, I, which for those of you who don't know, you're listening to this now a little bit ahead of time, but um, I turn 29 tomorrow. So now be thinking that I turned 29 a few days ago or whatever, but I have decided for my 29th year, I want to live my best life. And so I am going to start reenacting a lot of the things that have brought me joy and happiness and just peace in my life. So some of those things are going to be, which these are things I was doing previously. And then summer happened and I got out of my habit and I'm a little disappointed in myself, but we're starting fresh and that's okay. So waking up, I think is a big one, especially when for me, I work from home. And so I can literally wake up at the last minute. And then of course my day's not going to go as well because I didn't take time to set my intentions for the day. So waking up on time and then wait, when I wake up doing just five to 10 minutes of morning stretches, some morning yoga, and just having that quiet and peaceful time to really set my intentions for the day and to decide what are the most important things. I I really like to always say, what are the three most important things that I want to accomplish today? And so some of those things can be really little. It can be, I really want to make sure that when I go to bed tonight, our kitchen is clean, or I really want to make sure that I spend 45 minutes on a walk. I just choose three main intentions for the day. Sometimes they're work driven. I want to get a project done or whatever, but If I can wake up, do some stretching, set my intentions for the day, and then get into my daily routine of doing a workout or um, getting ready for work, whatever it is, I already know I'm going to be so much more successful. Yes. Isn't it amazing that just those little tiny things, they don't take a ton of time. Mm -hmm. They can just have such a huge impact on I want to say our day, but you know, like just on our well-being in general. I mean, right. when you feel better, then your self-love and your self-confidence goes up, you're less stressed. And so your thoughts are more clear. You can be more present. Like it's just this crazy domino effect that it seems like there's no way that this three-minute activity can make that big of a difference. But that three-minute activity leads to the next three-minute activity that leads mm-hmm. to the next one. And then before you know it, you've put all of these series of little tiny things together and built a great day out of it. And that's all a good life is built out of is all these teeny tiny moments that make good days. Good days make great weeks. Great weeks make good years. And it just goes from there. And it's just and when, when you start your day off right, it is such a ripple effect for me. If I start my day off with my morning routine of waking up, doing some stretches, doing an exercise before the day even begins. I naturally make better choices throughout the day. Whereas if I wake up really late and then I have to hop onto my meeting right away, I'm probably going to eat something that's not as healthy. I already don't have any movement in my body, so I'm not going to feel as good throughout the day. It's like those five or 10 minutes in the morning make a huge difference. Absolutely. Um, you want to, I got to share this little tidbit with you. Maybe I already yeah. have, I don't know, but our listeners haven't heard it from me yet. <laughs> Did you know that hitting the snooze button is like the absolute worst thing you can do for yourself? And I used to be the person that I did not click snooze. I was literally up the second it went off. And now this morning, because in my mind, I said, I'm starting fresh tomorrow. I don't have to get up today. I pushed snooze like five times. Yes. Okay. So I am a perpetual snooze hitter. Always have been. It drives my husband absolutely nuts because he is not. He's like, shut it off, get up. 
And I could never figure out why I was so exhausted in the morning or why I was still groggy, you know, an hour and a half after I woke up. It turns out that the snooze button, when you hit it and you fall right back to sleep, you think that it's going to make you feel better. But what it does is it restarts your sleep cycle. So your REM cycle is 90 minutes long, puts you into another 90 minute cycle. So if you don't sleep for another 90 minutes, you wake up and you're stuck in that cycle for up to four hours. I believe that. I completely believe that. It's insane. So there's a little happiness tidbit for you. Don't hit the snooze button and just... Yeah. And so I have to say we disabled it. We took it out for the summer, but I have one of those light switches, which we're going to put it back in now that I'm starting my routine, but, um, you pick what time you want to wake up. And I know there's like really nice ones that like start gradually like the sunrise, but this one is just like the ceiling light is on at five 55 and you are up for the day. And it's horrible because you can turn it off from your phone, but I try not to sleep with my phone with me. So either way, I either have to go to my phone and turn it off, or I have to get up and turn the light off. And at that point, it's like, well, I already got up. The light is already on. I'm already kind of mad. I might as well just get up. (laughs) So like mad in all the best ways though, right? Yes, yes, exactly. I totally, I totally know what you mean there. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So Not only do you focus on your own happiness, but you have kind of built a business around helping other teachers live happy lives and specifically first year teachers, because a, they're stressed beyond belief. Like it, there's no teacher tired, like first year teacher tired. And I, if you've never been a teacher, like, I don't even know how to explain to you how exhausting being a first year teacher is. It's hands down the hardest thing I think I've done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But you are dedicating your passion and your time and your love for teachers to help these first year teachers. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So in 2019, when I was getting ready to leave my teaching job before any of that happened, those first couple months of school were honestly the best first three months of school that I've ever had. The relationships I built with my students were so good. The days just went so well. We were in our our routines and procedures. We're just off to such a good start. And so I came home every single night, just feeling on top of the world, like telling Brent, oh my gosh, today was so awesome. Yesterday was good. Why are all these days so good? So all of the days were seriously going so well, but at the same time I would get home and I would start scrolling through social media. And I kept seeing all of these posts of people saying, I never knew it was going to be this hard. Nobody prepared me for this. Nobody told me how you build relationships in your classroom. They just keep telling you, you have to build relationships with your students. So I kept seeing all of these posts and I started, you know, wherever I could dropping little tidbits of information, you know, commenting little things on their pictures. And some of those would just turn into a few direct messages, but some of those turned into full-blown conversations. And all of this was happening about August through probably October, but I kept noticing like all of these conversations were all coming back to the same thing. And it wasn't just in North Dakota. It wasn't just in a specific school. It was these schools that were all across the country. These teachers who all came from completely different teacher prep programs, they all had the same stressors and they all felt under-supported, under-prepared, and like they had no one they could talk to. They truly just felt alone. And so after having many, many, many of those conversations, I really started thinking, 
but what can I do? How can I solve this problem for them? I am only one person, but there has to be something I can do. And so I really did just think about it for a long time. And I prayed about it. And around December, I decided my word for 2020 was going to be trust. And I was trusting in a lot of things. I was trusting in my faith, uh, believing my job. I was trusting in that everything was going to be okay. We, We weren't in a bad place in our marriage, but just trusting in a lot of things that our marriage was going to grow. And then of course, through the coronavirus, all of that. And so I realized I can do this. I'm going to trust my gut instinct and I am going to create a first year teacher support program. And so I launched for the first time in April of 2020. And so now we have pretty much exactly, it's like 101 or 100, exactly 100 students in our first year teacher support group, not only all around the country, but also from Australia, which is super cool. So it's going so well. All of the teachers who are joining us are seriously. I don't want to say they're so thankful to me, but they're thankful for the community that we've built together. So every single month we get online, we go through our coaching calls and I'm actually kicking off a brand new coaching program on September 15th for all these first year teachers. And the, the main component around this coaching program is reflection. And that's what a lot of teachers forget to do. They're so stressed. They're so overwhelmed and they're they're feeling frustrated about these things that are happening in their classroom, but they're not taking time to be productive in the reflection that they're doing. So we're kicking off this coaching program in September, and I'm really excited to see all of the changes that these teachers make, because when they start implementing the things that are going to work for them in their classroom, they'll be happier. Their students will be happier. It's a chain reaction. They'll be happier at home. It's just, it really is all about alleviating a lot of the stressors that they have so that they can truly step into their passion and their purpose and be the teacher their students need them to be. Which is amazing. And it's amazing that these teachers have a resource like you to be there because I remember thinking that same thing. Like, no one prepared me for this. (laughs) I mean, there were a lot of areas I was prepared for, don't get me wrong, but it was just a whole different world than I could have ever imagined. And knowing how to meet each kid's individual needs and all those things, like you said, there's just so much stress. And so, I love that you are teaching these first year teachers the same things. And these are skills that not just teachers need, like these are honestly skills that just humans in general need. And so I think that's part of why you and I click so well and why we're such good friends is because we totally have this understanding of how people, how to help people be happy. Like that's just Mm -hmm. honestly the the end goal, right. Is to live a happy life and, and to stand up for yourself and, and know what that means to you. And then not stopping until you, till you get it. (laughs) Right. Right. And it's just like you said, you can't do it four times and it happens. Like you have to continually work at it every single day. There's not, even though you and I have been working on our routines for as long as we can imagine it, if you decide you're not going to do it one day, you're going to fall off the bandwagon and that's okay. As long as you pick it back up the day after. Right. Yes, exactly. Yep. My husband, he started last October or November rowing every morning. We have a hydro. And so he rows every morning, not every morning, but his goal was four days a week. And even when we are like on vacation or do things like that, he gets his four days in. So like we'll leave on Thursday. So he rode Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, or that's what his plan is because he knows that if he doesn't do that and we come back next Monday night, 
And if he didn't do it, he would probably not go back to it. And right. so yep. like in his mind, he just knows like, this is what I have to do. And so I love using that as an example, because like you said, if you take off two days, you know, so if he only worked out twice this week and then took a whole week and a half off, he wouldn't go back to it. Cause it's mm-hmm. hard that it's way easier to default back to that, that comfort zone than it is to keep pushing yourself to grow. And I think that as like first year teachers, the people that you're, you know, working with, it's very easy to just sit back and just let it all happen and feel mm-hmm. be like, I'll figure it out at the end of the year. Next year's the new year, <laughs> you know, right. and, and you can't have that. You can't have that mentality. You have to have a growth, not just necessarily growth mindset, but like a growth centered mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think that you embody that through just your personal life and, and the work that you're doing with with the teachers and the schools that you work with in your career, which is amazing. Right. And whether it's the classroom, whether it's waking up early, whatever it is, like it is literally never too late to start. The impact that you make on day one is just as important as the impact you make on day 10 or 20 or whatever it is. Yes. Cause it compounds on itself. Mm-hmm. Once something becomes a habit and becomes routine, then that's when it's time to add in the next little piece that causes you to grow, that steps you outside your comfort zone a little bit. And so I love that because you, you said that you up and decided to just quit your job. I mean, not quit your job, but not renew your contract. And you didn't really know what was going to happen next. But in the back of your mind, you had a few options. It's not like you completely unprepared just one day. (laughs) Right. I didn't just walk in and say, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that that's important too to point out that, you know, it's okay to have have a little bit of a plan. We don't expect you to just go all in on happiness (laughs) or in the sake of happiness. Like, I'm just done today. But yeah, is there anything else that you would love to share with everyone today before we sign off? No, I I guess I just want to go back to if you truly have no idea where to start, I think a great starting point is just to take a step back from all of the things that are happening in our fast life pace that we go through every single day and just try to pinpoint some of those small moments that are truly making up the big moments, whether it's going for a gratitude walk in the morning and, you know, listing some of the things you're thankful for, but just being able to pinpoint like, why was this day such a good day? And then how can you continue to carry that on into the next day and the next day? Ah, such amazing advice. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom today. I just know how much everybody listening appreciates you. And so tell them where they can come find you one more time. I'll put it in the show notes as well, but that way they can come hang out and learn from you as well. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at North Dakota Teaching. And although I cater to first-year teachers, wherever you are, whoever you are, I'd absolutely love to meet you and connect with you. So send me a direct message so we can chat. Absolutely. And send all the first-year teachers her way because there's not a single first-year teacher that can learn something from Kayla. So thank you so much for being here. And absolutely. I just appreciate you and your friendship. You're amazing. I love you. (laughs) And I'm so excited that this worked out to have you on here today. And 
We will be back next week with a whole another interview in our series all about creating happiness. And I will be here cheering you on. That's it for this week's episode of Self-Care with Marissa Rader. Thank you for joining me. And listen, if you enjoyed it and think your BFF or any other woman you know might benefit from it, send them a link. Share this episode or screenshot it and share it on Instagram and tag me at marissa.rader. And hey, if you haven't already, come hang out with me on the gram where I share all things building a life you truly love in order to help you be the best version of yourself. Until next week, I will be here cheering you on.